So we're continuing our series, uh, being beacons, uh, being God's uh, people, and um, you remember when I, I spoke, I didn't speak here last week, um, I was at Sunnymead, but um, uh, when I first uh, introduced the series, remember all the I am's that we said, can you remember them all? Enthusiastic bunch. So I am, I am the light of the world, I'm the bread of life, I'm the true vine, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, I am who I am. Um... Good Shepherd, the way, the truth, the life. Any others I've missed? No? I bet I'll get an email tomorrow. <laughs> There'll be one. There'll be one. And, and would you remember what I said on the first week? What's the, out of all of those, there's only one that Jesus said we are as well. Light of the world. See, the light of the world. And so when we go through these beacon series, um, do you remember we said that a beacon or a lighthouse or whatever you want to call it, it's designed to shine? isn't it? If it's not lit, it's not really going to be any good. It's not going to achieve the purpose for what it was built or sent for. Um, sometimes it's to shine uh, just so we know where something is. Other times it's told to shine to warn people. There's danger. There is danger in refusing Christ in this life. And as we come to Christmas, uh, we're reminded of the people that we are in Christ. So this morning, uh, beacons of joy. And all those I ams, the one that he picks, you are the light of the world. And he says, doesn't he, let your light shine. And I said that two weeks ago. So the question is, this morning, how have you been shining? Are you doing all right? No? Been shining out there, making all the difference in a dark world? No? Yes? A little bit? Need new batteries? Have worn out? The candles are going lower? We always hope the first two make it till Christmas Day. They invariably do, but we've got top-ups if necessary. We're prepared. So it's called to shine in the world, aren't we? So I'm going to read a passage. Uh, this morning one is joy. And we're going to read this passage from uh, Luke chapter 2, which you would uh, normally associate with the Christmas message of joy, which is what we're looking at uh, this morning. So let me read this to you, first 11 verses, and then we'll have a look at what God has to say to us about joy. About joy, okay? So... In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Canaris was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, "'Do not be afraid.' I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Christ, the Lord. He had this message of great joy. A saviour has been born to you. And that message is for us as much this morning. We had hope, we've had love, and this morning is joy. And I don't know about you, but in this time of Advent, which really... Is, is for the Christian, is about the time of remembering that Jesus came physically on the earth, he will come again, and it's preparing ourselves, isn't it, for Christmas Day, where we celebrate that. People have tried to hijack Christmas Day. Have you noticed that recently? Just go into card shops and look for the Christian cards, 
or um, I think even, I hope I've read this right, I'll apologise to a person if I ever meet her, but even Meghan Markle has changed her and Harry's Christmas card to Happy Holidays, the American influence. Okay, some people, Happy Xmas, I don't even, can't be bothered to write the full name. But it's Christmas, and it's been hijacked a little bit, but we have the true message of Christmas. It's Christ, it's Christ Mass. Okay, and so we're going to talk about joy uh, this morning. But we can get caught up in the preparation as well. You can get caught up, oh I do, um, you might be better than me, you might be shining more brightly than I have. Uh, although you wasn't that enthusiastic when I asked you. But you might get caught up in the periphery. What is the periphery? Presence. I love presents. Um, Andrew's really good at this. Not, not my one necessarily, but for the kids. They have to have exactly the same number and the same money spent, and she's really good. Um, and, and nearer the time, um, I will ask her what we've bought them uh, so that I know on Christmas Day <laughs> what it is. But we do have conversations uh, but the presence, and it is good because when we give presents and receive presents, we're recognising that Jesus literally was an indescribable gift given to us. That's what the Bible says. Food, food, that's part of Christmas, isn't it? But you know, that's biblical, I think, as well. A lot of ministry that Jesus did uh, is done around food. That's okay, but it can get a bit, you know, get, get a bit anxious, can't it? You know, you're worried that the shelves are going to run out and everyone's panicking a bit. I've noticed the car parks are full up. Actually, I went to a minister's meeting in Chelmsford uh, two weeks ago and couldn't get, I was driving around the car parks, couldn't get past. Oh, it's panic. It's panic. So it can, be, uh, it can be stressful. Visits, you have to go and see people you don't see for most of the year, sometimes. Love that. You know, got to visit people, which is really good. A lot of angst, sometimes stress. And joy might be the last thing you can think of. But if we, if we get back to the true message of Christmas, we don't want to be like the world where it's sometimes in its darkness. We are a people of joy, beacons of joy. And there's a reason for that, because we know the truth of Jesus. And every Christian, I believe, can have that inner joy which we have to disassociate from happiness, but that inner joy that doesn't depend on external things. Um, like happiness can come and go, it's fleeting, uh, but the inner joy that comes, like we've just sung, from knowing Jesus, who the Bible in this passage says is the Christ. He is the one. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. And the first time I really comprehended that, that's when that inner joy comes in. You think, whatever happens now, you, might, you don't want the bad stuff, but it will happen. Sometimes life throws you a curveball. We've witnessed that recently. But re- you hang on to God. And frankly, uh, we were saying, you know, how do people do this without faith? You, know, you hang on to God. And I remember getting that for the first time, that I wasn't alone. That, gives, that gave me joy and gives me joy now. Even in the dark times, he will never let me go. And he will never let you go either. So let's get back to the heart of Christmas. In Luke 1, Mary's told she's highly favoured and that the Lord is with her. She's going to give birth to a son and she's called to call him Jesus. Why is he given the name Jesus? Because it means the Lord saves or God saves. There was a purpose in this birth, okay? He will be called great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him his throne. He will reign and his kingdom shall never end. He is the one, the Christ, that this passage is talking about. And Mary, along with Joseph, they make this long journey uh, to Bethlehem. 
because there was a census, and while she's there, she gives birth. And then in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, part of what I read, Luke describes an angel telling the shepherds, and he tells us this morning what Christmas should be like, what Christmas should be all about. And he writes these words. He said, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I'll bring you good news of great joy, great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This baby was everything. This was an unimaginable turn of events that was happening. We might think our Brexit vote was a big deal. And I was saying to Cheryl at the beginning of the service, there'll be people in about 10 years writing their PhDs um, on that. And it is interesting times, whatever you think. But this birth, you know, the names of all the politicians, you know, the Boris Bounce, which some people have um, uh, likened to his stature more than the stock market this week, but I think it meant the stock market. And the feel-good factor. I love a bit of feel-good factor. I'm up for the feel-good factor. But, you know, his name won't be spoken about in 2,000 years. It won't be anywhere. You will, but the name of this baby is stood forever. And people all throughout history have tried to crush it. They've tried to crush the Jewish people. Uh, they tried to crush Jesus. And he defeats everything. And joy comes into the world. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So we're going to have some fun now. Uh, so just bear with me. Um, what was that? Was that a little bit of saying Andy and Bernard? <laughs> oh, you're a right little squealer, though, aren't you, for a teacher? Oh, I like that. I expect off Bernard the Bants. So there's this young boy, right, he used to spend uh, time with his granddad. His granddad was a farmer, he used to love going on the farm. And uh, when he was walking around, he noticed the chickens. He noticed the chickens, they were scratching and playing around. And the little boy said, they ain't got it. They ain't got it, right? And then he saw a sheep in the field, and the sheep was playing and kicking up its heels. And he, and he said to his granddad, he ain't got it. He ain't got it either. And after looking at all the animals on his granddad's farm and seeing that none of them sort of had it the boy finally found an old donkey in the barn. And when he saw the donkey's long, frowning face and the way that the donkey just stood there, didn't really do much, looking miserable, he yelled for his granddad. He said, come quick, I found it, I found it. And the granddad said, what do you mean? What have you found? He said, I found an animal. There's the same kind of religion that you've got. <laughs> that religion... That you might, sometimes you might look at someone, they've got the religion of the donkey, I've written down here. Don't know why I wrote that. With long, sad faces all the time. And it's fair to say, of course, there's times of sadness. But I've noticed in people, strong Christians, even when there's those times of strife and trouble, they have an inner joy, an inner peace, which the Bible says surpasses all kinds of understanding. And it's because they're very, very close to God. And you can come, even sometimes in the midst of those troubles, with a smile on your face, because whatever happens, the other message of Christmas, the other name given to this Saviour is Emmanuel, God with us, God with you. You're never left alone. And you can feel it sometimes more so in the middle of the storms, in the times when things are not quite as, as you'd expect them to be. And it means that when we have this inner joy, we can worship God whatever the circumstances Not only when things are good, but when things are desperate as well. And one of the things I wanted to say, we need to remember, God created you. He formed you uh, in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were born. It's incredible, right? And um, human beings, you know, we like laughter. You know, I've had a few jokes, had a little joke there, didn't we? Um, He likes life. God invented smiling. You know, some Christians need to learn that. It's not a good witness being miserable all the time. 
We've got great hope. We've got a great saviour. And whatever happens, we will be okay in the end. God created laughter. How about that? But I remember when I first won an Alpha, uh, years and years ago, and I thought, well, I'm seeing the people coming out of the church building, they don't seem like they've got good news. And when they share it, they look really miserable. You know, you know joy to the world. Um, you know, Jesus loves me. Whew. Yeah, it's like that. And I thought, if it's such good news, when I've got good news and I share it, I get a bit overexcited. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, I speed up my talk. Okay, that was in my appraisal. You know, all these sorts of things. People like to remind me of these things. But when, we, when God created laughter, you know, the Westminster Catechism, or the short Westminster Catechism says, um, people's chief end is to, is to glorify God. And the second line, and enjoy him forever. C.S. Lewis said that we've lost the art to enjoy God. And when we're in worship, we hear many things. We've sung our songs, and it's good, and this is a good place to be, and I love it. But I went on the internet to try and find out some things that you never hear in churches. And I've got a list of them, which I hope you enjoy, because we're allowed to laugh, you see. God is, it can be fun. God can be enjoyed. He's also a God of judgment and of discipline, but he loves us, and he loves you. What don't we hear in church? It's my turn to sit in the front row. <laughs> Look, I've got a, a, I didn't even prep this. There is no one in the front row. You know, great that you are, but you was on the drums earlier, so you don't count. And uh, I saw Nigel on the front way earlier, but as soon as the kids went, he's scarper. Do you know what I'm saying? He didn't want to stay in the front row. Everyone wants to go back. They don't like being on the front row. You never hear that in church, don't you? What's the other things you don't hear in church? It was so good in, I never noticed your sermon went 25 minutes over. No one has ever said that to me. Personally, I find witnessing so much more enjoyable than golf. No, no one said that. These are not things we hear in church. This is a good one. I love it when we sing worship songs I've never heard of before. (laughs) And since we're all here, let's start the service early. Definitely not here. We don't only hear the laughter. It can also be seen in some notices or notice boards. And again, I went on the internet. I literally just typed in funny church notice boards. And I've got some examples of what I've called here bulletin bloomers uh, that can bring smiles to our faces. So this was on a notice board. Apparently they had pictures of all these things. Don't let worry kill you. This is on the church notice board. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. (laughs) I don't know if this one was on the notice board or in the notices, but let's swap. Let's swap our Christian calendar just for a second. This being Easter Sunday, we shall ask Mrs. Lewis to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. This really isn't about this church, this next one. Okay, I love who I'm going to just about speak about. This is something I found on the internet. At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. (laughs) If you're in the choir, please turn up next Sunday evening. I love you, I think you're brilliant. It's not intended for you. Ladies, don't forget the jumble sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget to bring your husbands. <laughs> Church member remains in the hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and has requested tapes of Ian's sermons. <laughs> and there's the final one, honestly, because I just want to remind us how to laugh. Uh, the country preacher decides to skip services one Sunday. He's got a Sunday off. He thinks, I won't go to church. I'm going to have a little Sunday off. He's been busy. 
No, we never do that. And he heads to the hills and he does some bear hunting. And he's, uh, he's a bit of a hunter. He comes around and he's, he comes to this bear and he points his gun at the bear. And suddenly he stumbles and he falls down the hill and he loses his gun and he lands on a rock and he breaks both his legs so he can't run. That was the good news. The bad news was the bear had seen him, started charging him at a distance and he couldn't move. And the preacher was filled with grief and fear because he thought, oh, I shouldn't have missed the Sunday service. He said, oh Lord, he prayed, he said, I'm so sorry for skipping the service to come out here and hunt. Please forgive me and grant me just one wish. Please make a Christian out of that bear that's coming at me. And you know, a miracle happened. Because at that very instant, the bear skidded to a halt. It fell to its knees, clasped its paws together and said, Dear God, for what I'm about to receive, make me truly thankful. (laughs) It's good to laugh. It's okay to have joy. And sometimes, you know, laughter can break through so many things. I've got a quiz for you. How many times a day do you think a child laughs? More, well, hundreds. That's, that's, no, no, you've gone over the top now. 704. Have you looked it up? Or have you got your internet out? Not 704. It's less than that. But it is hundreds. 400 times. On average, I don't know who measures this, uh, but they say, whoever they are, that a child lasts 400 times a day. And if you look at a child, they are. They're given to fun. They're given to joy. It comes naturally to them, unless they're tired, in which case uh, things are slightly different. <laughs> How many times do you think the average adult lasts for a day? 15. So the kids are 400, the adults are 15. We've lost the art. And Jesus says uh, to look at the children and their faith and become like them. We've lost the attitude sometimes of laughter and fun and joy. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth and brought with him a wonderful change to our lives and an incredible change to the world. He brought hope to a lost and hopeless world and he brought peace which goes deeper than anything the world could ever give because we know that the world gives and it takes away and circumstances change. But this inner joy, he brought joy. Now, I've got to tell you, after all this laughter... um, and to save further emails tomorrow, you won't find one Bible verse that says Jesus laughed. Do you know that? That's an interesting fact, and that is your pub quiz for those of you that attend such places. Jesus, there's not one verse that says Jesus laughed. In fact, if you read of any emotions expressed by Jesus, they're normally the ones that come to mind, sometimes anger, when people are abusing the temple and they're selling stuff, uh, sorrow, shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He enters into the grief, even though that he knew Lazarus was going to live. He, he enters into the grief, but anger and sorrow. But to so many people, at so many times, the result of encountering Jesus was joy. When they encountered him, most of them had joy. Some were rebuked, mostly the religious leaders. But they had joy. There was joy when the leper returned to thank Jesus. There was joy when a woman caught in the act of adultery was forgiven and released from her sin. There was joy when the deaf heard, the blind saw, and the lame walked. There was joy when the little children flocked to Jesus. There was joy when the boy gave Jesus his lunch so that Jesus could work a miracle and feed the thousands. There was joy when dawn broke and the women knew that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Everywhere you went, you'd find joy. Everywhere you went, there was joy. And we can express the joy of Jesus ourselves as we become beacons for him in smiles and laughter, but also inner joy in trials and tribulations. We can experience his joy through worship. We've had fun in worship. Uh, Jesus put this song into our hearts. How fast can we go? 
You know, there was a buzz. I mean, Norbert couldn't speak after. He said, coming out of all sorts of things, like va, va, voom. What was that? It was not in the scripture ascent, was it? But he's all excited because the worship builds us up. And sometimes there is a sacrifice of praise, isn't there? Sometimes, sometimes you may not feel like coming, but you discipline yourself and you come and you worship. And Jesus blesses us. He gives us an inner joy that is indescribable. So we can express the joy of Jesus uh, through worship, through praise and prayer, uh, song, when we witness to him and helping others, fellowship, discipleship, all these things we can experience the joy of God. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And God has created a fantastic world for us and he wants us to experience joy, joy found in him. When did you last sing a carol that probably expresses most of your Christmases of stress to the world? The Lord has come. We don't sing it, do we? It's not what it's supposed to be. It's not like the archangel burst upon the shepherds and said, Fear not, for today I bring you good news of great stress, which shall be to all people. Although that's the way it usually works. Christmas, because we've got caught up in the periphery and not the main person, can become something of a burden. And it should never be that. And when we're stressed, you know, when you're stressed, you're going to bring stress to others. When I'm stressed, people around me know it. Because I try and hold it in, but I can't. And it affects people. It affects people. We bring stress to all people. Husbands, wives, children. Start getting annoyed at the little things. The family pet. We haven't got a family pet. There's, there's talk in the household of getting one. That is bringing me a lot of stress. <laughs> Friends, co-workers. We can all get a bit stressed, you see, because we come off this the central message of joy. A saviour has been born to us. See, the news was, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And we're so stressed by trying to live right, eat right, think right, act right, speak right, speak right, Norbert, parent right, exercise right, look right, that we've forgotten the joy. We're getting so wrapped up in this other thi- these other things. Jesus came to this world as a baby in a manger and he brought hope to the hopeless. He was the Prince of Peace, bringing peace to our hearts, even when things are not as they should, amid the turmoil of sometimes a dark world. And we can all have this hope, we can all have this peace, we can all have this joy, because God promises to give it to us. We can rejoice, because God's Son has come. And, that, and if we can get back to the, that's the bones of it. That is it. The other stuff is great. I love it. I love the celebration. But we've got to remember And as we, again, in this time of Advent and then come up to Christmas Day, I'd encourage you to let this season be a time of joy. No matter how broken or broke you are or how busy you are, don't let the secular rob you of the sacred. There's a reason we're celebrating. And joy sometimes is like love. It's not, it can't only be an emotion. It's a decision. It's a decision. And we've had to face that recently, and many of you have as well. Uh, when things are not quite as, as you want, but you, you cling on to God, knowing that somehow his purposes will prevail. It's saying that I'm going to choose to look for the blessing. I will choose to look for the positive. I will choose to think the best. I will choose to make a difference. I refuse negativity. I refuse hopelessness. I refuse the enemy and I refuse his lies. But I will choose Jesus Christ who brings joy to the world because he is the Lord and the Lord saves and he is the Christ. I will live for him, in him and with him in me. He understands that joy can be found even in the dark times. Uh, I'm going to give you three uh, things to think about. We're going to come to a close. But let me read to you Hebrews 
uh, 12, uh, uh, 2 to 3. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. This is a message for, for Christmas. It's all about Jesus, right? It's not, it's not difficult. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. It wasn't all rosy for Jesus, was it? For the joy set before him, he endures the cross. I mean, I, I struck to become like you in your death, my Lord. Or, Lord, you have my heart. Let me be to you a sacrifice. Do, when we say that, some people lose their lives for Jesus, physically. But we are called to give up our life for him. He has to come first. But when we sing those words, let's not sing them lightly. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When the bad time comes, there's lots of good times. When they do, don't lose heart. Consider what Jesus went through. I was at the uh, BU Larger Churches Conference. I really didn't acronym for that because it bores me. But we were there, and there was a, the guy that spoke was a guy called Carl Martin. His dad uh, was fairly famous in Baptist, Baptist circles called Roger Martin. And he said when he was in his first church, he found it quite difficult. He went to his dad and started moaning about it. He said, oh, Dad, it's so hard, this church business. I can't leave the church. He's, his dad, I don't know if he was Scottish, but he put on a Scottish accent when he told me this. He said, have they crucified you yet? No, that was my Scottish. Um, and he said, no. He said, well, go back and get on with it. Stop moaning. Look what they did to the Saviour. Of course, of course you're going to get uh, some grief. And I want to highlight these three things up there just to encourage you to be people of joy, beacons of joy, which the world needs to see. Not the long-faced Christian that has no hope because we have hope, we have love, we have joy, we have peace next week and then Christ in Christmas, right in the middle. I'm highlighting these three things to encourage you to be people of joy, beacons, because you're called to shine in a dark world, one that's lost its way. You've got the Christmas message. There's loads of stuff you can give out. Those are things you can invite people to. Um, but let's make sure we have the Christian character and that we're walking examples of what it is to be beacons of joy. The first thing to do is to focus on Jesus. So I read already Hebrews 12, fix your eyes on Jesus, not on the periphery. The other stuff's great. I love a turkey. We're having a pre-Christmas Christmas dinner this Saturday. We're going to get a turkey and, and it'll be nice and I'm loving that. I love all that. But I, it does, it's, turkey doesn't come before Christmas. Well, it does actually because it's this Saturday. What I mean, before Christ, before Christ. That's periphery. That's periphery. Focusing on our Lord Jesus, it means that we, we not only remember the Saviour in the manger this Christmas time, but remember the Saviour is in your heart. He's alive. He's in your heart. Remember that this baby grew up and went to the cross. This, this little baby that we have the image of, he was born to die and then to live again. He went to the cross to pay for your wrongdoings. He rose again to give you new life and that he lives in your heart today is where you find the joy. That is something to be joyful about. He lives in the heart of every believer. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. That gives me joy. Not only was Jesus born in Bethlehem, but by faith and by his Spirit, he lives in you. In you, this morning. That should fill you with joy. The second thing is to not focus on yourself too much, which destroys my third argument, because I've got to focus on yourself, but not too much. But focus on others. Acts 20.35, in everything I did, I showed you 
that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, especially at Christmas time. We're called to find joy in generosity. Christmas is a great reminder to us that God gave us Jesus, and he was born out of God's love for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. His focus in giving Christ to the world was his love for the world, love for others, and that's an example to the rest of us that we should be willing to follow. If God sent his only son into the world for the world, then if we're his body, we're there for the world as well, and we've got to look to serve and be generous. Joy doesn't come from getting everything that we want or getting everything that we can from other people, but it actually does come in the giving, in the giving to others. There is joy in giving. There is joy in being generous. And I'd encourage you to discover that joy of giving. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do for him. If you ask, you'll find someone in need. In the name of, in the name of Christ, you can give to them, whether it's your time or your money or your prayers, whatever it is. There are plenty of lonely, needy people. And the Holy Spirit, if you ask, will show them to you if you're willing to look for them. The Bible says that's where you're going to find joy, by focusing on others rather than just yourself. Part of being church here, the family of God, is giving. But whatever you give, it goes out. Mission partners, helping the weak, local ministry seeking to share Christ. It's a gift of generosity that underpins the mission and ministry of this church. Be a generous people. Pray for for opportunities uh, where you can give. And and lastly, focus on yourself after just telling you not to do that. But what I mean by that is be self-aware. You don't often hear focus on yourself, although God does, he does say love your neighbour as yourself. But when I've got focus on yourself here, it means I've got to guard my heart. I've got to watch myself that I don't get caught up too much in the periphery. I've got to watch myself that my own attitudes uh, don't determine whether I'll experience joy this year. And the thing is, you can let worry and stress or discouragement rob you of the joy that is Jesus at Christmas time. Everyone struggles sometimes, of course they do. It's a fallen world. But please understand, attitude uh, doesn't come always automatically. Sometimes I have to tell myself how to behave. Um, I have to give myself a talk. I don't think I've been that great this past week. I've been under a bit of stress. I've been a bit ratty. And, and I've had to deal with that. But attitude is not necessarily automatic. And I cannot, and you cannot, let those other negative attitudes rule you. But you, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can rule your attitude. Philippians 4, 4-7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's saying, whatever happens, you've got to bring it to God. And you've got to trust him. And even when you don't get the answer you want, you've got to do it. That's the way you're going to find that inner peace and joy. The fact is you can be full of faith or full of doubt. You can be full of the Spirit's joy or full of the world's woes. So consider your thoughts. Listen to your words. Watch your actions and ask yourself, have I got the joy of the Lord in my heart or am I letting myself get dragged into the world's message that joy is dependent on happiness or circumstances. Don't be the donkey. Don't be the donkey in the garage with a long face all the time. I, I accept uh, that things are not always as they should be, but we can still find that inner joy. 
And Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts. We love that. It's one of the periphery things that we do. But it's all based on gifts. The gift of God to man. Jesus himself walked this, this earth, light of the world here, light, light stepping down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. Now the unspeakable gift of his son, the gift of man to God. And when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, as he tells us to, that's what we are. And you're the only person that can decide to have that joyful attitude this Christmas time. Sometimes, uh, not all the time, Andrew will tell, tell you that this is not the modus operandi, but certainly what I try and put on, um, I've been accused of being too bullish, too upbeat, um, too cheerful. I remember Bob Allen saying that to me. He said, once someone had a go at me once, they said, I smile too much. I said, what do they want you to do? I try and see the good. I try and see what can be done rather than not what can't be done. I like to see the positive, and I don't always get it right. And recently, as I've said, I had to ask God again for more of his spirit to give me that kind of attitude. You know, the fruit of the spirit um, in in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's not something you can necessarily manufacture, otherwise be the fruit of Ian. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's the evidence of the spirit already in your life so you need to cultivate that it's the fruit of the spirit and one of those is joy and joy is not happiness fruit of the spirit doesn't say happy it says joy and god has a gift uh, for you this christmas and it's the joy that we unwrap by focusing on jesus first fixing our eyes on him looking at others looking at ourselves and our attitudes and we don't have to wait till december 25th when that final candle's lit to unwrap that gift we can open it and enjoy it now. So you're going to go and shine, uh, because Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Go and shine. And that's what we need to do. We can be beacons beacons of joy in sometimes a dark world. Go and shine. I'm going to pray for us. Father, it's so easy to get joy confused with happiness, and wants, and needs. But true joy is found in you. We thank you, Lord, that whatever our circumstances, you never leave us or forsake us. You're always with us. You said that surely you'd be with us to the very end of the age. And as we, we continue through this time of Advent, I pray, Lord, we hear that same message that the shepherds heard. Do not fear. I bring you news, good news, joy. A saviour has been born. We thank you, Lord, that we have that message. And I pray we'll go out as you said to us that we're the light of the world, and you said, let your light shine before people, that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I pray, Lord, we'll be beacons of joy. In Jesus' name, amen.